0: Here's everything I know about war. Somebody wins, somebody loses, and nothing is ever the same again. Welcome everyone, it's Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri, and joining me at the mic, Ryan Mazzocco. Each week we like to take an episode of the series and drop (laughs) oh god oh ryan why the heck did you just attack me um no reason really um no explanation no none um and and that's it yeah you don't even really know if it was me Uh, okay bygones moving on Um, yeah, this week we're going to discuss the episode D-0.
1: This is the fourth broadcast episode of Andromeda in the first season. If you're just now joining us, we would like to say go ahead and go back to the first episode of Drive Back the Night. And go ahead and watch these episodes along with us, whether it's on DVD or on YouTube. They're all on there. We think that it will really enhance your enjoyment of what we're doing here. And in case you don't know already what it is that we're doing here, we are watching every episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. And then Ethan and I will sit down and dissect and discuss each one of them and trying to pick out anything we could find in them, whether it's making fun or making light, or uh, really finding some real cool gems that are buried deep within. We've we've done all those already. So... uh this week we are, as Ethan said, we are going to discuss D-0. I think Ethan may have watched this.
0: Did you watch it? I did watch it. Okay, well, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened? Ryan, here's everything I know about D-0. We begin the show with Dylan and Tyr playing basketball. Dylan's trying to teach Tyr how to play. Tier completely ignores him, completes a technical foul, and then dumps the ball. A signal is detected from a high guard ship from a time before the fall. Dylan orders the ship to go in. It doesn't even change into his uniform. Just heads straight to the bridge. While investigating, they are attacked by something. Some random thing that basically appears as a red blip on their screen. They get away with not much damage on the initial attack. Just some light residue on Andromeda's hull. They're attacked again though, later. And in the next attack, they're not so lucky. Becca and Dylan have a disagreement on how things are being handled on the command deck. Later, Dylan decides that it's time to talk to Becca about the chain of command. Becca calls Dylan's experience into question. Later, while showering or after showering, Dylan questions himself and his ability to lead so far removed from his own time. At the same time, Becca's talking with Harper, and she fears Dylan is making a really bad move. Harper, though, with an interesting illustration, explains that it really doesn't matter. We all go splat on the windshield of the universe at some point. Maybe Dylan can keep it from happening sooner rather than later. Now it's time for their second encounter with whatever it is that's attacking them. Dylan gives hard instructions, and so the crew pulls out their 16th generation Oculus Rift goggles and take over their fighters. Tyr gets his fighter out of position, though, disregarding Dylan's orders, and the Andromeda is hit hard. Dylan is very mad at this. Distrust is rampant amongst the top three of the crew. Tyr, Becca, they get together, and they talk mutiny, but Becca's not quite ready yet. Dylan has a plan to escape the situation, and so he takes the ship into the sun. This move has the effect of turning up the heat on the crew. The crew is suffering from the radiation that the star is putting out. Harper, in particular, is suffering from the radiation. Dylan asks Harper to build a a device that's going to come into play a little bit later. Harper carries out Dylan's wishes, builds the device, but then immediately collapses upon delivery. It seems that Harper's immune system is particularly shoddy, even in the best of times. And so he, like the rest of the crew, are suffering the effects of the radiation. They have to leave the star soon. It's come time for the Maru's decoy maneuver. And after settling their differences, Becca climbs into the Maru and leaves the ship with the device that Dylan asked Harper to build. It's a decoy device. It makes the ship, the Eureka Maru, look like the Andromeda. The mysterious enemy takes the bait and goes after the Maru. Dylan sweeps in with the crew and the Andromeda at the last second and destroys the ship, never knowing their identities or where these mysterious bandits came from. The end. So, I have a question. What's that? Where's Rami? I'm thinking that the whole time. is throwing me off my game.
1: Because we just saw in the last episode, Harper made Rami... Right? Yes. The android? The yes. ship's avatar? Yeah. And now... She's not there. No, I didn't see her anywhere. No. Hmm. I wonder where she possibly could be. I wonder if maybe she's not actually been made yet. Could
0: that be possible? That's kind of my thought. That is kind of my How thought.
1: How in the situation. world is that possible? We just saw her made in the last well,
0: episode. Well, I, I, I think we might be looking at, you know, something... Along the lines of the magic of show business.
1: Oh, you mean like some sort of temporal distortion no. by a
0: black hole? No, not not nothing that, that complicated. Hole? No,
1: a flux capacitor?
0: No, I think it's just a scheduling a, issue. Probably a
1: phone booth.
0: A phone booth.
1: <laughs> a phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Hey, actually, I'm looking at my notes, and I think I actually might have the key to the whole thing right
0: here. What you got there?
1: Well, it just so happens the last four episodes that we have done, I have this in my notebook right here in front of me. Uh this being the fourth episode, the production number on this episode is 101. Okay, so what's the pilot? The 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 pilot? Mhm. Um Under the Night. Under the
0: Night is 103. Now that's interesting. Cuz sequentially that puts it after the one that we're talking about here, D minus zero. So,
1: all right, all right, everybody, let's just settle down. Let's look at all these. Episode four, D minus zero, is 101. Okay, what's 102? That's going to be the next episode, right, that we haven't done yet? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that page is blank. I don't see anything there. Let's go backwards. Um, oh, after 101 would come 102. That's to loose the fateful lightning is 102.
0: That was episode three.
1: Yeah. 102 is episode 3.
0: In which Rami shows up.
1: Yeah. And then 103 is Under the Night, or the very first aired episode of Andromeda. And 104 is The Affirming Flame, the second episode. So if these production numbers are correct as far as when these uh, episodes were made I don't know if that means when they were written or when they were actually shot but it appears that this D-0 was actually the first episode of Andromeda.
0: And and it kind of makes sense when you watch it because really the whole time I'm watching it I'm thinking this, this doesn't feel like where I left the series off at after episode 3. Mm-hmm. I mean we had uh, we had Andromeda as an as an android. That was the biggest reveal at the end of episode three. Mm-hmm. We're really looking forward to seeing episode four and seeing how Rami interacts with the crew. She's not there. Mm-hmm. We're we're back to hologram and and display Andromeda mm-hmm. AI. Uh, and then the the uniforms. You know, Dylan's back to wearing the old, well the the old high guard uniform, which I know he wears a time or two more, but you know in the uh, the third episode he had that real snappy black uniform on you know which was which he had in the pilot too so yeah it all, all in all it feels like we've taken a step backward <laughs> in the series yeah
1: now the way i understand andromeda was sold for 42 episodes right yeah i'm wondering if this if this first episode if this episode 101 which ended up being d-0 the fourth episode in season 1 was uh, originally intended to be sort of that pilot episode. Because by this time, we've already got the crew together. We are exploring certain crew dynamics. And so maybe that's kind of... They're trying to use that to appeal to some sort of audience, particularly an executive audience, an an audience that's in charge of something, uh, to try to show what this is what the show is actually going to be about.
0: Yeah. And. Yeah, it, I'm, I mean, I, that's a possibility. I, I'm thinking, too, they already knew the, you know, the pilot's the pilot. I mean, you you had your origin story, which is what we saw in episodes one and episode two uh, for the crew. And, you know, maybe this is. They knew that one, where the story was going to start, but maybe they couldn't get to film it in time. Or maybe they were waiting for something in production, perhaps. I don't know. It, and then this is the result of it. But somehow it's before the third one, mm-hmm. <laughs> before the introduction of the android. And they it really feels like they didn't know that was coming, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's, 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 it's conspicuously missing, mm-hmm. a missing component. Yeah, uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't take a whole lot away from this episode, mainly because the whole time I'm thinking, how does this episode get made ahead of everything else? Mm-hmm. You know, why does it look like it's been made ahead of everything else? Well, mm-hmm. now we know because it was made. Uh, well, I mean, based on the production, based number, on production. We, number, we,
1: yeah, we, we, we can take that and assume that it was made before anything
0: else. Yeah. So really, all we have to look at here is crew interaction. And it's very rough. It's This feels like it should have been played as Episode 3. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and I think it's interesting because you have Becca, who is a freighter captain, and Dylan Hunt, high guard captain. And now they have to figure out a way to make things work. And obviously they're butting heads. This is what should have happened day two, mm-hmm. after they agreed to stay on board. Mm-hmm. A- and if you look at it that way, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. But the whole episode order, the way, it, way it's been played, is, is just kind of thrown things out of whack. I had a question. How can Becca compare her life as a freighter captain for 10 years with Dylan's experience as a high guard captain? I don't know how long Dylan has been a captain, but it seems to me that you would have quite a bit of training Mm -hmm. to be able to be a high guard captain on one of the ships of the line, you know? Yeah. It seems like a very bold assumption to say, I got more street cred than you. Mm, I don't know about that. We haven't seen enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe she is looking at it from the standpoint that she knows what this universe is, and he doesn't true he's he has uh, for all intents and purposes been dead for the last 300 years yeah and now suddenly he's been he's he's come back into this world everything he knows is from that world that universe really 300 years ago so so maybe that makes her feel like she knows more about what's going i mean is she In the last episode, she had already kind of made the point when they were coming up on the space station with all the kids. Um, He was expecting, you know, just to see this wonderful system um, and and this station and all this stuff. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of here. And she's like, you know, this, this system is infested with Magog. Everybody knows that. And then she realizes...
0: Mm, well, almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Except for those of us that have been asleep for 300 yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I guess on on some level she does have the right to, to say, hey, you need to listen to me. But at the same time, um, this is a man in charge of a very large warship. He has at least 40 Nova bombs at his disposal. I mean, you, you would think that she would be a little more uh, tactful about trying to ease him <laughs> into this universe. Maybe maybe give him a, you know, sit him down and say, hey, here's what's happened. Yeah, here's well, what you need to pay attention to.
1: And I don't mean to split hairs here, but do we know that he actually has any Nova bombs at this point? Because, I mean, again, we're screwing with the, the production numbers yeah. and the timeline.
0: <clears throat> at the end of episode three, we see him load... So he, when you see episode 4, this one that we're talking we about, we know
1: that he has one at the end of episode 3. Right. Does he have that yet?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This, um, the, yeah, and, this, this whole this is my problem with this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're I'm just going to totally uh jump ahead here and and, and kind of tip my hat. to like or dislike. This this episode feels out of place. Mm-hmm. And for that reason I I'm I have a hard time you know, putting, taking the things that it's it's telling us and, and fitting it into the timeline because it is out of place. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think what mainly it's trying to do is show us the development of the the crew and their interactions with each other because it's not, Becca's not the only one that Dylan has a problem with. Um, it's also Tyr because Tyr goes out of his zone. Um, They're there to play a zone defense against these these ships, these missiles coming at them. And he goes out of his zone to take care of some missiles that are in Harper's zone. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, he lets the other missiles come through that he was supposed to have been responsible for. So by going out of his zone to cover the one missile that Harper missed, they end up getting hit by like... Four of them, or something, okay. Because he didn't stick to his assignment, so that so then he has to have the whole let's let's have talk with Tier too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is very much a let's let's develop the crew. Let's 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 look at their stories and see how they're going. We we've got them together. Let's see how they interact together. And you know what?
1: I mean, it had to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have these these characters from completely different times, from completely different backgrounds. I mean, you have Dylan, who is from 300 years ago from the Commonwealth. He's a high guard officer, the greatest civilization known at that time. And then you have the crew of Becca, Harper, Rev, and Trance, who are, you know, basically just, they're just trying to, to just get by. They're They're doing jobs. To just try to get by, and then you've got Tear, who is neither of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've basically you're merging three different groups of people and trying to force them to come together. And in that group of the the Maru group, I mean, those are such a diverse group of people in themselves. Trying to forge them all together there's going to be some sort of adversity. They're not all going to just work together beautifully like they did in episode three. Right. I wouldn't imagine. I mean, cause I, that went pretty smoothly.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that really contrasts the, the problem with, with airing these the way they did, because yeah, you had more of a, the crew kind of cared a little more for each other, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and when they were on the, you know, they're in a tense situation on the command deck and they're they're interacting. And here's you know, when uh, when trance countermans Dylan, not necessarily counterman, but you know, he he makes a choice. You mean Becca? He, no, I'm talking about in, in the in the third episode. Oh, okay. All right, oh, sorry. when they're chasing down the uh, the oh, noble bomb fighters. Right. You know, he makes the decision to go one way and trance immediately tells him no and, yeah, she backs off a little bit, but Dylan's response is very kind of, um, oh, okay, all right, we'll 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 do things your way. Now, in this episode four, Becca stands up, hey, let's not do it this way, and mm-hmm. Dylan immediately, you know, shuts the door on her. Mm-hmm. You know, he he does not want to be countermanded. Right. And, and I think it's, it, it's inconsistent.
1: I think that might be something that we lost... Because by the end of this episode, he learns that he needs to listen to these other people, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of I remember last episode, we were talking about how, how interesting it was that as soon as Trance said, no, go left, he said, okay, go left. Yeah. Well, why did he do that? Well, I think maybe now we're finding out. Right. Because before that ever happened... He had gone through this, this whole ordeal with the crew and trying to learn how to function with this crew. That's not high guard. They're not. They're not a bunch of yes sirs. Yeah, you know. So he now he's having to learn how to deal with a crew that is going to question him, that is going to um, offer him alternative opinions. You know, and and so he's he, He's accepted that, yeah, he's in control. He's in command. But he's also going to give their their opinions a fair shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was great, the way Rev Bim approaches him. And there again, you have the, the awkwardness. <laughs> Dylan sitting there, and all of a sudden puts a hand on him. Whoa, oh, God, there's yeah. him a Magog next to him. <laughs> you know, that was funny. But, yeah, the, the, the talk that Rev Bim has, yeah, that is a talk that you would have to have with someone in Dylan's position very early on. Because, you know, Dylan has to realize he's not dealing with high guard officers. And so that was, it, it was good. It, it, was, it was something that, uh, that Dylan needed to hear. And uh, if, if you play with the timeline, it looks like he, yeah, he, he started to get it mm-hmm. at going forward.
1: Yeah, but if you don't look at it in the timeline and just look at it how it was broadcast, it almost looked like he reverted. Yeah,
0: really? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's why that episode really feels out of place, mm-hmm. is because it does feel like a step back. Yeah,
1: but you know, like I said before, it's an episode that I think had to happen mm-hmm. to show that that progression. Yeah, it's just now, unfortunate they showed him out of order.
0: You're, you're right. You're right. And and you know this isn't this isn't unprecedented. This has happened with. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I both love the Firefly series, but if you watch it in the broadcast order, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, because there's there was Fox botched how they aired mm-hmm. that series, and and I'm sure it's happened with with other series as well.
1: Well, you got to be careful with how you watch Firefly on Netflix. Yes, you got to make sure.
0: In yeah, that don't order. don't go by the episode numbers. No,
1: no, it's wrong. <laughs> Yeah. When you start seeing Last Time on Firefly and it's stuff that you haven't seen before... <laughs> it hasn't happened
0: yet. <laughs>
1: yeah, don't watch that episode.
0: Yeah. So yeah, this isn't unprecedented, but it, it uh, well, like I said before, it takes you out of the game. It, it, it kind of, what, what is going on here? Makes you ask that question.
1: And it brings up some interesting uh, questions about the Chain of Command. Um, you have Becca, who her loyalty is to her crew. And you have Dylan, who also claims that his loyalty is to his crew and to Andromeda. Now, they seem to both have the same interests in mind when they make their conflicting orders. Um, They both have their crew and the ship safety in mind. But, But you can really only have one person in charge. I mean, you see what happens when you have too many captains on the command deck um, I mean, Dylan points it out. Harper froze. It, it, you would th- well, you would think on one hand he would go ahead and go with Becca and what she says because, you know, she he's been flying with Becca for a long time now. Yeah. But he didn't. He just completely froze. I mean, he, he was like, somebody tell me what to do here, you yeah. know? And so, I mean... It's just another one of those growing pains, I guess, that they've, they've got to go through as a crew.
0: Yeah, and I think it's great the way they show. You know, Becca kind of realizes she's got to back off a little. She's got to let go just a little bit. She really does. Uh, and, and Harper's illustration of the, you know, you know fly or bug hitting the windshield. um, I, I thought that was great. And so you get to see Becca realize some of the things she's got to adjust on. You have already seen, you know, Dylan with Rev. And then the you know Becca and and Tyr, their interactions together you see how that goes and you know Tear's ready to I'll I'll be first officer I think you should go ahead and just take over you <laughs> know and, it, and it's interesting that Becca doesn't go ahead and be like ah, you got a big gun mm-hmm. well we we can make this happen mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but but she doesn't do it she doesn't go through with mutiny and uh, uh, i I think it. This is a good episode in that it shows the dynamic that we're going to see going forward. You see it solidifying. And I think we see um, Tyr's personality
1: coming through a lot, too, in the way he's he's totally looking out for himself. Yes. All the time. Looking out for number one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty obvious to see that at this point. Don't you think, yeah, okay, um, he talks about the the Andromeda, its defenses are down, sensors are down, okay, so he makes the point he says, <laughs> okay, Andromeda, blind and crippled, if Andromeda were my child, I would drown it.
0: <laughs> that's a hard stance to take,, Whew, man, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's tough stuff, I
1: mean, I guess that's that's Nietzschean philosophy,
0: yeah. You know the strong will survive. Yeah, and if they're not strong, well, you know, toss them out the nearest airlock.
1: The basketball scenario here at the, that kind of bookended this episode. I think it they were they were using that to try to set the tone for the whole thing, and because Dylan uh, makes a statement because it, Tear doesn't understand why they have to play by these. Rules. Mm-hmm. Dylan explains to him. He says, "Rules force you to outthink rather than outmuscle your opponent." And it's it's odd that he would have to teach that to tear because you think that a Nietzschean would want to be superior in every way,
0: in every aspect.
1: Yeah. So physically, mentally, you know, you, the you look at the the Nietzschean rebellion that wasn't purely muscle. There was extreme strategic planning involved in that, so I'm not sure why this idea would be foreign to to
0: Tier. Well, I, th- I think there you are. You have the flaw in Tier, and maybe not so much Tier himself. Maybe in the Kodiak Pride, because obviously, as we already know, he's the last of his con- of his pride. Maybe that was their maybe their philosophy was, you know, might is right. Mm -hmm. You know, and if, if the strongest will survive and if we're strong, it doesn't matter if you can outthink your opponent or not, perhaps maybe that's what's led to their downfall. Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about that.
1: All I know is everything I know, everything I know. Here's everything I know about war. Somebody wins, somebody loses, and nothing is ever the same again. And in case you missed it, that was the opening quote to this episode. I'm not sure if there's anything to disagree with on that quote.
0: No, no. But I look at it and I say, you know, this is this is exactly what a, a quote that you would see right after the pilot episode. <laughs> I mean, there has been a huge war. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you know about the war. It, it's nothing's ever the same again. And now nothing is the same for Dylan Hunt or for the crew that are now on his ship. And so there again, it just, to me, it highlights the point that this is an episode that aired out of place.
1: Yeah. Look at the uh, date and the name attributed to that quote. Admiral Costanza Stark, CY 9784. Mm -hmm. We've taken quite a step back in time from those first two episodes. Yeah. So this is someone who has just watched the basically the fall of the Commonwealth. Right. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say, remember that name, Admiral Stark. Okay. And I'm not sure if you know why yet. Some of those I, out there listening... I might not. Some of those out there listening may know if they've watched the series all the way through. But that's that's pretty significant. Okay. So... Most of these are kind of obscure, made up, just kind of to make the universe look a lot bigger. Um, Remember that name. Remember that name. Okay, that's cool. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But as far as the quote itself, yeah, I mean, war, what is it good for?
0: You know? (laughs) Absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, winners, losers, and in the end... Nothing's the same.
0: Yeah. Lines are redrawn. Mm-hmm. You know, power shifts. Nothing's ever the same. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then, as far as in context to this series, this episode, this series, you know, the, the war between the Nietzscheans and the Commonwealth, this civilization that was supposed to be the greatest civilization ever, is completely destroyed. You see, now there's a universe that's in complete chaos. Um, it's just... It's it's ruled by crime and terror, Magog, Nietzscheans, Nightsiders, and you know just people just looking out for their own interests, and that's all it is. There's yeah. no there's no central ruling faction that's that's holding the whole thing together.
0: Yeah, I mean. It- one thing that really highlighted the change that's happened in the, the universe, in these, these galaxies that were were at one time under the Commonwealth, it uh, I think it's Becca, either it's, yeah, it is, it's Becca that's talking about Harper's immune system. And he, you know, he grew up in a world where he didn't get the best medical care. And so his immune system suffered because of it. Uh, and, and it sounds like in the way she's describing it, that's not just where specifically where he was at, it it sounds like it's a widespread problem, you know, and that's one of the things that disappears with civilization is healthcare, you know? So you really get a sense in, in a lot of some of the things that they're, they're bringing out. And it's just little, little lines here and there, but you really get a feel for how this universe, this Commonwealth has disintegrated and just the mess that it's, has been left behind because of it.
1: Nothing. Was ever the same again, but you know, I
0: mean, that's that's the episode. What did you think of it? Well, I mean, you said it best. It's an episode that has to happen. You have to see the dynamic of the crew. Uh, you have to see them gel and come together and establish, you know, their hierarchy going forward. You have to see that chain of command, and it was good to see that. I just I have a hard time getting past the fact that. <laughs> it came totally out of the blue. <laughs> kind of like the enemy that was attacking mm-hmm. them. <laughs> you know, it was... Mm-hmm. And, and you never... It, it, it doesn't explain itself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explain the enemy that's attacking them. They blow up at the end, and you don't ever know who it was and why. And, and so there... It, it comes out of place, and there are questions that are raised by the episode I don't think you ever really get an answer for. And so for that reason, I don't... The dynamic in the crew was good to see, but I don't think the episode on the whole really holds up.
1: Yeah. I I have to agree with you on everything you just said. I Half of the show I really like. Half of the show I don't know why it was there. Um, like you say, you had to have this 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 progression of this of the, the the relationships between the crew and all of their working these things out. If it had been placed in an arena of relevance, this could have been a fantastic episode. Yes. But as it is, like you said, we have no idea who these attackers are. We have no idea what their motive is, you know? So why are they fighting us why are we fighting them i don't know is yeah that part of it 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 really could have been better if they had somehow made it relevant i think it's probably just they just didn't identify anyone because this was just they i think maybe production number 101 they were trying to sell something yeah i it's a possibility i don't from what I understand, they didn't do a pilot episode like they do so many of them now. But to me, this just feels like a pilot
0: episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, like we said. And so ultimately, this this episode really, I come away from it, it's apparently you're the same way. It just doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. ultimately. I mean, when you're looking at it on the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I therefore, I, you know, just come down to it. I I kind of dislike it.
1: Yeah. There's action. There's there's excitement. There's risky maneuvers, flying into the the corona of a sun, you know. I know personally anytime I have a corona, I find a little starship in it. I I don't care for it, but you know, what do you do? Yeah. I think that puts a bow on it. I think so. (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe some people out there liked it, though. And if they did,
0: I'd love to hear why. Ethan, where can they get a hold of us? Well, you could send us an email. And we would certainly appreciate hearing from you. Uh, And you can direct that email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. You can comment...
1: You can like us. You can follow us on the other social media. We're on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Both of those, we are at the handle Andromeda Pod. We're also on Podbean. We're at AndromedaSeries.Podbean.com. dot Podbean dot com. Give us a follow and uh, help get the word out. We'd like to get the the word out to all the Andromeda fans out there. To have nothing to consume as far as Andromeda
0: goes. Yeah. There's kind of a void out there as far as Andromeda podcasts, mm-hmm. as we've pointed out before. Yeah, one of the reasons
1: why we decided
0: to do this. I, I was going to bring this out too. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure and drop by the, the store there on our site and, uh, and give us some stars. We'd certainly appreciate that.
1: Hey, yeah, we'd like stars. And, uh, so we want to thank age of geek productions for again, helping us out. And, uh, And also thank our friend Tim Kimmerly who provided the voice for the opening quotes. And we'd like to invite you to join us back here next week as we look at the episode Double Helix.